Good morning, and uh, we're in for another interesting discussion today, perhaps at a slightly lower key. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we're going to uh, have a chance to have a conversation here among ourselves for about uh, half of this, and I'd like to open this up because, once again, mayors in particular are very grassroots-oriented folks, and they really like to talk to their constituents. <laughs> uh, so I think it's only fair that we get to the floor fairly quickly. Um, which we will do. It was only a few years ago that uh, people were writing books about the comeback of American cities, that they really, there really was this sense of a renaissance uh, going on, and, and yet now they've hit some, some headwinds, uh, and there are issues that are facing the future of American cities, uh, and indeed facing the, city, the future of cities everywhere. I'd like to start just briefly, uh, Antonio Mayor, Mayor V, as he's sometimes called, uh, in, in L.A., uh, what's the most important issue you see f facing or, or potentially threatening the future of Los Angeles as you sit there as mayor today? I'd like to go to the other two after that. I think it's a couple of issues. Uh, when you look at cities uh, since World War II uh, and why people leave cities, uh, they leave cities because uh, they're not safe, uh, because of the cost of housing, uh, because of the quality of schools. Right. And so ch the challenge uh, to cities uh, is to focus on those three uh, factors that are like the predicate for uh, bringing people back, particularly the, the middle class, back to the city. So it's we, we, the challenge of keeping people safe, the challenge of bringing the middle class uh, back to our schools and to our cities, and the, and the challenge of providing the housing that's affordable enough for uh, middle class and working people to live in. Is the immigration issue uh, uh there was a sense that, that we were trying in Washington to solve the immigration issue that failed and then the issue seemed to fade a little bit, but yet you've got all these raids going on now in LA that are really threatening a lot of the decisions of companies whether to stay or not. We were just talking about that in the back and, and you know, LA, just so, for those of you who don't know, four million people, uh, 50, 46 percent of the city is foreign born. 37 different nationalities have the largest population in Los Angeles outside of the country of origin. Uh, the LA Unified uh, is uh, about 86% minority with Latinos and African Americans. Uh, immigration is a big issue. We just had a study done by the LA County uh, Economic Development Council and Chamber of Commerce which focused on what the raids could do uh, in terms of undermining industries causing uh, industry flight to Latin America or Asia. Uh, it's a big issue. Um, division of families. Uh, remember, every one of these people who are undocumented have uh, children uh, who are citizens. So this, this, th there's been an increase in the number of raids? Yes. Because of the crackdown? Across the, the country, border. but in Los Angeles as well. So and so it's not so much the number of raids, right. but the fear uh, that it causes and the, the business flight that's created when when people think that uh, these businesses are going to be under. So from your point of view, from an L.A. point of view, it's important not just to close borders, but to get the rest of the problem solved, too. That's exactly and right. And provide some sort of path to citizenship. Fix the immigration problem in the country. In cities, 88 uh, percent of the wealth that's generated in the nation are generated in our cities. And in cities like Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, big immigrant populations. <clears throat> Uh, Rich Daly, the, uh, we were just walking out here, and Antonio said to me, just, as you were introduced, he said, Rich Daly, Mayor Bloom, B Bloomberg, two best mayors in the country. We appreciate you being here again. Thank you. Dan. You hosted this, just as uh, Los Angeles did. 
for <laughs> from from uh, and I know you're trying hard to get the Olympics there. From your point of view, what's the most important issue now facing the city of Chicago for your future? Well, well I always thought the most important issue is education, the quality education. of education. If you look at the history of the country, middle class, black, white, Hispanic have moved out of cities. The lack of good quality education. And what I've said is that the greatest gift that you can give to a child in a city is a good quality education. And that's what we're trying to do. In 1995, I took responsibility, full responsibility for the public schools. And taking responsibility, you didn't blame anyone. You didn't blame the teachers. You, didn't, you said, okay, what are we going to do? We raised almost five to six billion dollars locally in local taxes to improve our public schools. And that means the quality of new construction, uh, the quality of new buildings, new programs, uh, new hirees. Uh, teachers were hired in cities mostly from the cities in the metropolitan areas. So we reached out throughout the country and started hiring teachers. Uh, we basically now hire teachers in a language program in China. We're looking at free, uh, math and science teachers from overseas because you're not producing enough math and science teachers. Uh, and to me, once you start rebuilding your education system, and ours is about 80% 80, 80 minority and poor. And the greatest gift that you're, you can you're, give. You're 80% minority in the poor. In the schools. In the school system. And poor. And poor. And poor. Oh, it could be almost 90%. So what you really have to do is you have to instill them in how you do that, raise standards. Don't lower standards. Don't social promote children. Don't put children in high school uh, who can't read or write. 70% will drop out. And so what we said is we have to bring the business community together, which we did. The union signed a six, seven year contract. So there's stability with the union in regards to their salaries. But at the same time, you have to think outside the box. So if you go to school six hours a day, 30 hours a week, think of that. That's all they, they don't go to school on Saturday and Sunday. They don't go at night. They get two and a half months off during the summer. We're still living in a rural society. And so what we're doing now is we're opening schools on Saturdays for math, science, and reading cultural sports activities, the after-school program is very important because that's the time that you can do cultural activities, sports activities, homework. You have to keep the school open as late as possible because of situations and families. We're looking at boarding schools now. And someone said it's gonna cost $70,000 for a child. I said it's worth it. Because if yeah, I can- Inner city boarding school. Yes, inner city boarding. If I can prevent that child from dropping out of school, it is right. worth in the long run. Instead of sending him to prison, all the other poverty issues that go with that child. And so when you're really trying to cut the, basically the poverty system uh, in, in inner cities from one generation to another. And the only way you do that is through yeah. education. Right, the, Washington has a inner city uh, boarding school yes. called yeah. SEED. And I think it does cost about 70 for them. Yeah. But the mayor there is really very pleased with it, I think. It I has think they're to getting results. Because you cannot send that child back into that dysfunctional family. Right. You have to be able to make the tough decisions and say, what is the best interest of the child, not the family? Right. In America, we say, what's the best interest of the family? I believe what is the best interest of the child, first right. and foremost. It, you said something interesting, and I want to come back to education just a minute, and I want to go to Willie and come back to it. The, but you, after yesterday's panel, we, 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 you might have left thinking that business and government are at each other's throats. But in fact, in Chicago, you got business to sit down with government. And you also got the unions to sign up for this long-term stable contract. You were able to bring a partnership out of these. Business community raised about $100 million. We have charter schools. We have contract schools. I have unusual powers. It's like a trustee in bankruptcy. Right. I can close the school down, fire the principal, 
and fire the teachers. And we start all over. These are dysfunctional schools that are not functioning. In many schools, 8% of the children were reading at a national level. Right. No one was upset in the system. And so I said, I'm not going to blame anyone. We're going to really correct it. And we have to, Gates Foundation has to give us the largest uh, grants possible than any other city in the country because we're willing to uh, change things. We're willing to uh, take the money and look at things, what works and what doesn't work. We come right back right. And immediately and say, this is not working. Interesting. Interesting. Willie, from your perspective now, you've, you've, uh, you have the advantage of having work and really run a state legislature, been mayor, and you've got all this wisdom, folk wisdom about life that you put in your book. Uh, so from your point of view, the future of cities and what you think is the most important issue they face? Well, cities are run by chief executives who are without the need for any legislative involvement uh, at the local level. Uh, city councils, uh, in some cases, become a problem for mayors trying to do the job that needs to be done to actually run the city. The city is run from a central location. And you'd like Mayor to Mayor Daly was very fortunate yeah. in that the state of Illinois gave him the schools. They right. thought they were punishing him, it's but they right. gave him. <laughs> it's, true. it's really true. It's really true. And that's why he didn't have a problem with the labor movement, right. because the labor movement helped thinking that they were dumping him on a place where there would be low performance. Right. It turned out to be just the opposite. He took his absolute best budget man, right. not his best educator, not his best academic type, but his best budget guy, and sent him over there to orchestrate the schools several Is years that ago. Yes. And as a result of that, yeah. his has become the model for other mayors. Mayor yeah. Villaraigosa wished the same thing had happened to him, yeah. but it didn't. And he tried to get the schools through the political process, through the process with the legislature. Right. And believe me, the same organizations that help orchestrate daily acquiring the schools, they yeah. absolutely opposed or modified or kept uh, in some abeyance their support for Villaraigosa's efforts. And he's still making that effort. Bloomberg has always had the schools in New York. Right. That's been part of the mayor's operation in New York. Menino in Boston got the schools through the process. In Detroit, Kwame has other troubles, but at one time, <laughs> the schools were in fact an issue. And so there are locations where people have been successful at moving the schools, yeah. a big component of any city under the leadership of the CEO. In San Francisco, that's not the case. You have full-time 780,000 <coughs> participants in every decision any mayor right, attempts right, to right. make. Right. That's, that's, really, that's really interesting. And you lost one of the most promising superintendents in the country. No, they ran out of town. We didn't ran her out of town, but she was terrific. They ran out of town, literally. Okay. And believe me, in to. San Francisco, the mayor is frightened to even consider it supporting people for the school board, let alone okay, but I want trying to, to gain yeah, control I want to push deeper on this. Now, here you're coming from a liberal democratic background, and you're saying the school board, school boards are a real problem in big cities. Mm -hmm. All three of you guys come from democratic backgrounds, and all of you basically, I think I hear you saying, because you fought on this issue too, 
are saying school boards are a real problem. Why are they a problem? Is well, it the let me union? tell you, it's heresy to say this. Yes, well, I was because in a democracy, Let's have a little heresy. everybody thinks they ought to have to vote for everything. Right. right. The one thing that you don't want is you don't want an elected school board. You don't, you don't. need an elected right. school exactly board. Right. You exactly. need an appointed school board, and the appointments need to be in category of expertise. Why? 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 What's the, what's the problem with an elected school board? What happens? You can't do what Daley is doing to his school. Yeah, that's right. Every yeah. decision is political. If, if politicians exactly. were trying to get themselves elected right. by literally going to the public saying, "I'm going to do this on your behalf," without reference to the 15 other things that need to be done right. to make the school district yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. But here, here's the thing I find so interesting. It was only you know, 30, 40 years ago, we were all talking about the way to really bring cities back is to get a lot more community participation and have community uh, activists running things, electing people, and, and it's all got to be around the table, and we've all got to hold hands and sing kumbaya. And you're saying, you guys are saying, <laughs> for a con modern mayors are saying, it doesn't work that way. I'm saying it. They have to Especially get reelected. I don't have to get reelected. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> let, let, so let me say something. I can tell that. What, you know, I the, can speak on their behalf, and they can denounce me. We, we, <laughs> never, we actually, That's where we love Willie Brown. No, we, we actually have a neighborhood council system where right. people are involved and they do have right. a voice. But I, I think Willie's absolutely right. He was able to uh, eliminate the school board. Uh, I tried to do that. No, you uh, didn't eliminate the school board. You didn't eliminate it. But the you state got, did. You, the state but did. you run the school board. Yeah. They don't run you. They're appointed. They're appointed. Eliminated an elected school board. Uh, we tried to do the same thing. Uh, we got sued by the school district. Uh, we won legislation. We got school, sued by the school district. Uh, lost in the courts. I had to raise money uh, against the teachers union. Uh, won, and now I have. And then I had to have elections with a supermajority of teachers voting right. for it. I got 90% of the parents. I have 18,000 kids starting yes, uh, July 1st. So I actually am going to have uh, a partnership and control over the uh, about uh, 18,000 kids. Here's what I don't understand again. When the Democrats go to Chicago, Chris Matthews will be out there covering this. The biggest delegation out there will be, be teachers unions. Won't they be, Chris? And sitting in there, there'll be teachers unions, biggest delegation of the Democratic Party, uh, coming to the convention. And yet, what I think the undertone of this conversation, the implication of it, is the teachers unions are a real problem no. for reforming the schools. No. Now, you have somewhat. No, I don't think so. I, I think you, you don't want to put scapegoats. I mean, okay. the teaching okay. profession is very difficult, challenging. Uh, a lot of the environments are, are challenging for young uh, young teachers coming in. So you have to have a a, a, <coughs> a program where basically you're teaching them some of the inner city problems that right. they never faced. You cannot blame the teachers, the teachers union either. Uh, I have a responsibility, they have a responsibility. But you have to work together. And if you don't work together, then you're trying to blame How things. do you get them to do a grand bargain that really says, oh, we're going to respect you, we're going to professionalize you, we're going to pay you properly, but you've got to go along with a lot of reforms. Well, said, a lot of reforms. You, we're going to professionalize you, we're going to give you decision making. Uh, that's how you get the buy-in. But we're going to pay you more. But remember, you need the parents. You need to, in that community, you have to say, you know, education is important. So when you build a new school, you build a new library, and you say, I'm investing from the city into your community, and said, I really believe that, yes, your children can learn. Yes, your ch children can be anything. And you have to show them that you believe in them, that you get them to meetings. You identify youngsters in the most difficult, challenging schools and honor them. In, in, in cities, you get negative news. You see four young kids coming down the street, baggy pants, 
uh, uh, hat on the side, African-Americans or Hispanic, first thing you think, they have to be gangbangers. They're not gangbangers. These are wonderful young kids. And, and to me, there's negative news constantly on younger people. Right. So if you go to that school, everyone thinks that some way you have to be a gangbanger. Right. And, and so then you have to reinforce the school with good quality security. But the security comes from the student, not from putting police in there. You have to hire parents from the community and say, this is your school. This is right. going to be a community school. This school is going to be open after hours with an after school program for you and your family.